better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hi everybody, and welcome to the Real Science Cast, the podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and pick apart the science. My name's Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. The cheater. I'm Michael. Why did you interrupt me? Sorry. Go ahead, Mike. I'm Michael Pace. So rude. So rude. I can't believe Kenan did that to you. <laughs> I apologize. Wow. I had to sneak one last dig into Sean because he's a. We're off to a great he's start. A bad so boy. Far. That's true. We'll find out why. Are you guys fucking ready <laughs> to cover this wild fucking movie? Yeah, I'm I'm super ready. I'm so ready because I'm hungry. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm so ready. <laughs> I want to formally apologize to both of you for uh, last week. I don't know if you remember, but we had a little. We had to rush a little bit because I had to go get my beautiful locks cut. Um, so they look lovely. Last time, by the way, they look. Thank you. I mean, we phenomenal. All have our priorities. Yeah, I need I need another haircut already. But that said, uh, fans will remember that we just finished watching Twelve Monkeys which was just sort of like a buck wild soup of themes. Um, this isn't any better. Yeah, this is... Yeah, I, I kind of had the same thought. I was I, We finished Snowpiercer, and I was like, oh, another really bizarre movie. Okay. <laughs> it's just like a really weird fucking movie. But this one has yeah. more science in it, for sure. That is true. Or at I least more things that we can extract science from. Right. It masquerades so. more effectively as a sci-fi film. Yes. So... I mean, that's all that we do is extract science from just completely barren wastelands of content on this podcast, right? That's pretty much. Do. I mean, we, we can't even rely on our fans to send us, like, usable content to watch for movies either. Uh, which, we'll <laughs> listen, get to. which we'll get into. Listen, don't yeah. make... Just because Doug is, has a vendetta against our show <laughs> doesn't mean that all the other fans have forsaken us to that level. I, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I hope that I hope we do well, and it seems like people like our show, and eventually it would be pretty neat if we could do like live shows, you know, like go from yeah maybe locally like East Coast and then eventually. But I think in one of those we have to fight Doug to the death. Oh yeah, for sure. Like we would, uh, like okay. So the lights come up on the stage, right? Curtain right, opens. Okay. Everyone's sitting there, and they're like, "Wait, there's no table. Like, where where are the real science boards?" There aren't even any microphones. And then and then <laughs> Doug comes up from the audience, rips off his shirt, and just pulls mm. out a katana. And then yes. <laughs> and then the three of us come in from the wings, and a giant cage drops on the stage, and we just yes. do a whole thing like we're gonna finish Directly this once us. and for all. And then yeah. in the background, Wild Wild West is playing the whole time. Right. <laughs> it's a showing of Wild Wild West, but we can't charge people to see it because of legal reasons. So we're going to have a death match in front of it. <laughs> but once we, I mean, let's be honest, we're going to beat Doug. It's three verse one. Like we're going to, yeah. but wait, does he have a weapon and we don't have a weapon? Because that's, well, you that's just said he has a katana. I yeah, think but, like he does and we don't. Okay. But we yeah. have science on our side. Right. <laughs> so, so once we vanquish Doug, we him with our minds. We take the katana and then we split the screen that's playing Wild Wild West in half just to sort mm-hmm. of like establish our dominance over the movie symbolically. Yeah. Well, no, I was I was thinking more that because Doug is constantly requesting that we watch Wild Wild West, once we have defeated Doug in combat and he lies slain upon the floor, then we cover the science of Wild Wild West. Oh, okay, just to really stick it to him from the grave yeah. from beyond once he's the deceased. grave. Perfect. <laughs> But at this point, if we ever actually do cover Wild Wild West, we're not ever going to be able to do it justice. And it would have to be in a live show format because what other choice do we have? Right. A live show after having slain Doug in combat. In cold blood. Yes. Just, yeah. Yeah. By the end, Doug is all over the stage. Mm -hmm. There's just, that's just, the front row is just covered in Doug. There's a splash zone. Everyone's wearing ponchos then, in the front, like three people, rows. People are people are told before that this is a splash zone, but they don't know why. Yeah. Real science themed ponchos people, for purchase. People come in thinking that they're going to see like a blue man group show, and it's just us <laughs> attacking Doug. It's like, oh, this is very real paint. Yeah. Wow. This is very what a cool show. They went all in with the special effects. No effects. I thought those boys were nice, but after this, I don't know. 
So aside from uh, killing our dog. killing our patron in front of everybody <laughs> in a live show, uh, do you guys want to talk about the? Actually, you know what, Pace? Why don't you hit us yes. with our disclaimers before we go yeah, into the we movie? We do this we every covered. time. We don't, we don't yeah. want to. Yes, we have some steal some thunder. really really good interesting disclaimers, and that is that it's Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So we're all sipping tea on our front porch and talking about science. But yep. whenever the boys sip tea, it's it's usually gonna get it's usually gonna crazy. get a little a little crazy and raunchy, and um, we might curse a little bit, and then we're gonna talk about some science. Fuck. Whoa, that's. <laughs> Can we get through the disclaimers without <laughs> cursing? I feel like we curse every time. No, it's tradition. You're right. You start talking about the movie before Pace does the disclaimers, and then I curse halfway through. You're right. I do it every time. Okay. That's true. But guys, what movie did we watch this week? Snowpiercer. You actually said it earlier, but it's Well, me. I want to me. officially say it. For the people sure. who like got lost in our rant about murdering Doug, like maybe <laughs> maybe they want to hear the movie again just to make sure. Yeah, sure. Bring it back home a little bit. Right. It was buried under some Doug heavy content. So a lot of Doug content. Very Doug heavy. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so we watched Snowpiercer. Um, for those of you who haven't seen this movie, it is uh, readily available for streaming on... I, actually, I think I had to watch it on Amazon, but... Yeah, I, I Netflix, rented like, it on Amazon, on too. Amazon. Yeah. Okay. It was on Netflix for a while. I think... Uh, so the, the writer's name is Bong Joon-ho. Uh, Boon, uh, sorry, Joon-ho. Uh, I only know this because he did another movie that everyone should fucking watch that I think is still on Netflix called The Host, um, which is a... Uh, Movie with an all-Korean cast, it's a Korean movie, uh, in which a giant fish monster emerges from the Han River in Seoul and eats a bunch of people. That sounds awesome. It's fucking good. It's also very funny. That sounds... That's... Yeah. I would watch that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so let's watch that. Yep. Next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we're not watching that next. No. But we are going to talk about Snowpiercer, and then uh, we'll announce what movie we're watching next week, which... We're not going to be recording on Halloween, but we're recording very close to Halloween, so it's going to be Halloween-themed. Yes, yes. it is. Um, should we roll to see who has to do the plot of this fantastic film? <sighs> yes. I don't want to, because... I, but you have to. I'm going to use an electronic D20 roller that is completely mm-hmm. random just for you, Kenan. Okay? You, you have, I do not believe that you have not hacked into the mainframe like hacker man uh, i'm also gonna drop this die just for the great sound effect uh yeah roll with disadvantage <laughs> yeah hey, whoa come on all right all right so we're gonna roll ready all right i'm gonna roll i got a 15 17 okay so i have this is the first time i've done the plot Fucking since we finally since we've, implemented, really? since we've implemented this system yeah yeah first time i've done the plot okay you're the which is funny because you were the one that did it the most previously yeah. because you've been the best at it. <laughs> You're right. So, okay, so... Wait, wait, wait. I thought the person that got the highest had to do the plot. Oh, wait, no. you're right. It's the highest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. you're right, it is. is. Sorry, Kenneth. Is now the time I tell you that I lied? Uh-huh. What did, What'd you actually get? A seven. <laughs> What the Wait, fuck? so you lied because you thought that it you was misunderstood the rules. You? So you call me a cheater, <laughs> and then you cheat, and then, whoa, okay, that's it. You're stuck on plot duty for the rest of the show. Dude, you're doing the next two you're shows. You're doing the next Kenan. two shows. I'm just trying to cultivate good radio. Kenan, I will do this show just for you, mm-hmm. because I haven't done the plot in forever, but I am okay. going to need you to send me $50. Uh, how about I edit the podcast for us? Oh, that's so sweet of you. Oh, okay. Just do that instead. I'll let it okay. slide this time. All right, I appreciate that. Wow. Can't, I can't <laughs> believe you accused me of cheating. All right, all right. I'm going to get into the plot. So, <laughs> uh, Snowpiercer is a 2013 film starring Chris Evans and some other no, people. 2014. What? I think it's 2014. It says, yeah. it says 2013. Wait, it it's says 2013, but then it says July 2014. <laughs> oh, so for the you. USA release was in was later i guess oh so in south korea it was related in 20 it was released in 2013 yeah so aside from that random minutiae i'm going to talk about the plot Uh still so okay Okay, yeah yeah, yeah, go ahead it's starring uh chris evans kang ho song uh ed harris and then tilda swinton john hunt and a bunch of other people that i'm not going to get into Um, but the premise of this movie is essentially there is a it's a post-apocalyptic 
post-apocalyptic um, Earth Got where humans have tried to... <laughs> Humans have attempted to counteract global warming by cooling the earth, um, and they do this by releasing this chemical called CW7 into the atmosphere. And the re- Cold World 7. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I was, thought it was Content Warning 7. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> um, we're going to have one of those for this fucking movie, by the way. Oh, yeah, we will. Um, but what happens is that they super cool the earth bringing on a new ice age and it actually ends up killing everybody in the world. And that is everybody except for the people who are on this fantastic train called the Snowpiercer. So the whole movie takes place on this train and it's a train that has, is built to go around the world once every year. Um, so it literally takes trips to all five continents. It doesn't go to Antarctica or Australia, but it drives around the world um, in a circle every year. And for some reason, if the people, if you were on this train, the engine of this train is able to create enough energy to support life on the train and keep out the cold that is outside of the train. So as far as we know, the only people alive on the world are on this train. So for this movie, um, there's basically people who paid to get on the train who live in the front and then people who... They are like freeloaders. That's what they refer to themselves as the tail end section people of the train who they're poor people. Yeah. They, they were brought on the train to keep them from dying uh, when the world mm. was freezing, but they didn't pay for tickets. So right. they live in like a, you know, slum style, like I guess livelihood. Like they eat these protein bars to live. Um, they sleep on like bunk beds. They all have like limbs missing and stuff. Like it's really gruesome living conditions. Um, they're they're the they're the proletariat. Yes, they the are train. the proletariat of the train. Yes, they are very dirty. And the bourgeois live <laughs> in the front of the train. So yes, the bourgeoisie. Yes, the bourgeoisie. <laughs> so, um, uh, in general, the whole theme of this movie is Chris Evans is leading a revolt from the tail end section. So he is trying to get a bunch of, uh, I guess, soldiers from the tail end section to take over the engine of the train so that they can, you know, uh, close the inequality gap. Um, Mm. And so I think we can talk about the individual scenes as we go through in the science, but basically the entire movie is Chris Evans leading an army of people along with someone who helped design the train so he knows how to open the different gates between the different cars, um, trying to get from the back of the train to the front of the train. And as they go through, they're, you know, interacting with, like, oppressive soldiers from the front of the train that are trying to stop them and kill them and stuff like that. Yes, It's a dungeon crawl. Like, yes, the whole a, train is, like... Yes, it's a dungeon crawl, it's yeah. It's true, It's a actually. D&D campaign, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. like that. Like, they're basically progressing through levels of the train and fighting, like, more and more higher-level bosses as they go through. Yep. <laughs> um, and so they eventually, after many, many casualties, lots of, like, axe fighting and random, you know, gunfights and stuff like that on the train, uh, most of them die. Almost all of the people from the tail section die, and all that's left is Chris Evans and... Who's the guy? What's the character's name? Who's the gate I opener? Forgot his, I forgot his, his name. His name is um, Namgong Minso. The uh, so the security expert who knows how to open the gates between from a uh, rail car to rail car. Yeah. Um, so he it's it's basically he's left his daughter and then Chris Evans and they get to the end of the train. There's this big reveal where uh, what's his name? Woodford, the guy who built the train. He's the Wilford. Wilford. Played by Ed Harris. Yes, Wilford. Wilford. Played by Ed Harris. He's the conductor of this train. And there's a bunch of metaphors about how the train is a balanced ecosystem and, like, people have to die in order to maintain the balance between the head section and the tail section of the train. Um, And it's a lot of, like, weird monologuing for the last end of the movie. Um, Yeah, it's it's the movie telling us uh, that it hates capitalism is, like, basically what the movie is. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. And just I think it's worth impressing just the scale upon which this train exists. I mean, it's not a train in the more traditional sense where you think of like a dining car and, you know, those types of things. There are nightclubs. There are there's vertical farming. Yeah, there's schools. There's aquariums. Schools. Yeah. Everything that you think might be necessary to live. There's a butcher house like it's it's extensive. Yeah, it's a it's a world, basically. Really, to to sum up the end of the movie is that um, Wilford 
tells Chris Evans, like, I'm getting old. Someone else needs to conduct the train soon, and you're the first person who's made it up here to the front. Um, so you take my place. And as he's having this sort of, like, oh, but the world as I know it is different. Like, he's having a crisis, essentially, where Wilford's told him, like, all these people are dying, and there's all this balance, and he's monologued to him. Mm-hmm. Um, the gate opener, who's led them up to the front, he has this theory that the snow is beginning to melt outside and he thinks that it's safe to leave the train. Previously, no one has left the train because if you leave the train, you die um, because it's so cold that you just freeze like within minutes of going out on the surface of the earth. But he thinks that outside the train, you die in real life. Exactly. And if you die in the train, you still die in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Just like the matrix. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, So he has been stockpiling this, substance called chronal which in the movie is supposed to be like toxic waste um that people sniff to get high on but he's Mm -hmm. been stockpiling it because he says it's extremely flammable and he uses it as a bomb to blow open the gate door of the train and so this is at the end of the movie very climactic scene like there's basically a huge revolt on the train people are coming to just sort of like generally fuck shit up and um, this guy detonates a bomb that blows open the gate to the outside. And the entire train crashes. Basically, from our perspective, everybody dies except for the gatekeeper's daughter, whose character's name is... the uh, Yona. Yona. So Yona and Timmy, one of the children on the train, are the only two people that make it out of this crash alive. Mm-hmm. And they step out of the train, covered in like a parka, they don't instantly die, so this sort of shows like, oh, the world actually is not like totally insustainable for life. And then they see a polar bear on top of a mountain, and then the movie ends, yeah. and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's a the, the ending was the worst part of the movie. Yes, for definitely. sure. What? Yes, dude. Oh it's yeah, I hated the ending. Of, what? We're going to re- we're going to repopulate the entire rest of the world with a five year old boy and a seventeen year old girl who somehow have to, have to survive in endless winter. Oh, they're going to be killed uh, by that polar bear instantly. I they're definitely... do not think that that's the point of the end of the movie. <laughs> it's not like, set the two kids free and they'll repopulate the whole world starting in the Arctic. I mean, that, that's implied. not the end of the movie. But the but the but here's the actual implication, is they get out of the train and they see a polar bear, which probably is looking for food and it's going to eat them. 100%. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm sure the kids die. <laughs> yeah. Like, definitely. Yeah. But, but they it's got not out supposed the to be like... It's not a happy ending. We can go into a little more philosophically if you want to, but sure. I think we should go into the science first. Yeah, so I think the uh, way we should do we this, do. guys, and you guys let me know if this is a good idea or not, but there are some like pretty climactic and important scenes in the different cars of the train. So do you want to like kind of go through the cars that have like more science-related themes? Maybe I starting like with the... Towards the tail end of the section? Yeah, let's start yes. with the, the caboose where the, the proletariat are. All right. Yes. Cool. Someone else start because I just did the plot. <laughs> no, it was very good. It was very good, Sean. Thank you. Um, I want to give a general content warning for this movie. Uh, this movie's gory as fuck. It's very gory. There's a lot of blood in it, and there is some decent body trauma, if that's not your thing. Um, and then there is also the implication that people are eating bugs uh, because in this movie, people are eating bugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not a really an implication bugs. and more of like a fact, but yeah. <laughs> if entomophagy is not your thing, uh, and descriptions of it, then you might want to just like, I don't know, sing loudly to yourself once we cover those parts of the film. Entomophagy is the consumption of insects. Thank you, Pace. <laughs> Thanks, Pace. You're welcome. You're welcome. So the first thing I want to talk about, and we can do this in brief, is uh, what's his name? Ewan Bremer character when they take his kid to turn the kid into paste for the train which we determined off air is how they power this train is that they take kids and they mash them into paste and turn them into nuclear power except they actually Um, make them sit in the engine and like manually move parts of the train yeah they're they're replacing parts of the train with with small children with small humans yes Uh weird and fucked up but either way they come and take this his kid and he throws a shoe at them um who throws a shoe yeah, <laughs> very good Austin Powers reference. <laughs> oh, it was just—it was just my cool, my cool uh, random task reference from the Austin Powers movie. <laughs> so they take his arm and they put it outside the train, and 
an important person with a map and a notebook walks up and says, uh, at this altitude, we only need seven minutes. And then they very dramatically hang a clock around Ewan Bremner's uh, neck, stick his arm outside the train, and then just leave him there while Tilda Swinton monologues with her real big Margaret Thatcher teeth. Um, Uh, mm -hmm. Yes. And then afterwards, they bring his limb uh, back into the cart and then tap on it with a little spoon and then smash it with a big hammer. Um, I wanted to see what you guys thought about this. Just real quick. As medical doctors, what do you think of this scene? About them freezing his arm off? Right. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you could freeze someone's arm off. Okay. But it would have to be really fucking cold for like a a while. I think they could do it. The main thing that I was thinking about throughout that entire scene was what would, would there be like permanent damage to like his vasculature from doing that? That's kind of what I was like. Like, I don't know if he would survive the process. No, I don't think so. I I don't think he would. Yeah. I don't think he would. But he lives for the rest of the movie. I was going to say, I think what would happen is that you could probably freeze someone's arm and I don't know if it would shatter like that, but like cut it off. But at the nub that is frozen as it's thawing back to normal temperature, that's going to cause one severe pain and two, he's going to have like a huge immune reaction and probably a cytokine storm. And it's going to be like very unlikely that he would just survive that. Yeah, I the like next day he's walking around upright and that it just seems absolutely buckwild to me. I think he would be bedridden for quite a while. They're also living in like really grimy gross conditions, clearly like no access to like showers yeah, or he anything. Would have, he would get infection and there would be a lot of other issues yeah. going on there, I think. He'd be having some real uh real castaway problems. Having real castaway some problems. Real yeah. that also weren't explained but, but I, anyway but i think they could freeze someone's arm off like you can get especially with the wind chill from the train like you can get frostbite setting in like pretty fast when you have like enough like wind that's also that's moving the cold air around the limb right so i think like that would happen but i don't know about seven minute timeline it has to be really cold yeah so this is actually been done uh to some degree and i want to give another really big content warning for this but if you are interested in the bad things that people have done to each other over the years um there there was a place during the bad stuff in world war ii uh called unit 731 in which like some of these not at all any sort of consent given experiments were carried out on people um and the same kind of thing it's immediately what i thought of whenever i saw this this scene um so this has been done to, to people uh, how did they do it i don't back during that, t- uh, during they, that time they froze their limbs in like uh lakes and stuff like that um but i won't go super into it again like only if you have a sick fascination and want want to know about this kind of thing i'm sure you can find plenty of stories Jeez. it's a, fascism right it's also like really painful while it's happening like yeah 100 oh absolutely which yeah. they didn't really show him freaking out as much as i thought uh, i mean they did they did he was he was not he was he was having a bad time yeah but i yeah. think there. He was having a real bad time regardless. Everyone on the tail section was having a really bad time. They're all having a really bad time. I don't yeah. think anybody was yes. happy to be there, to be honest. Yeah. No. So no. because of like travesties like this and injustices like this, this is what like starts them like why they seize the opportunity to mm-hmm. uh stake their rebellion. They want to seize the means of conduction. Right, exactly. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so do you guys want to talk about what they find out about how the tail section people live, <laughs> like as yeah, they're moving up towards the train, we should talk about the bugs. Mm-hmm. Do you mean their diet? Yeah, their diet. Talk about, <laughs> about yes. the bugs. So they get these, they get these black gelatinous protein blocks as their food substance mm-hmm. given to them. Right. Uh, they used to not get even that. They used to be cannibals. Um, mm-hmm. But then the people, then the bourgeoisie was like, oh, we should probably, we should probably feed these people so they don't eat each other. That's why they're all missing limbs right yes they eventually get up to a few a few carts ahead and train and they meet an uh a person who used to be back at the tail end of the train who now is the the chef yes he's the chef he's the chef mm-hmm. and i guess what you he, could call him a chef yeah and he's the chef what he does is he uh takes a bunch of cockroaches and he puts them in a giant vat and this machine pumps out the protein blocks. So we find mm. out in this like really gross scene because the, these people like haven't had 
much to eat or anything. Like they probably get like one protein block a day and stuff like that. So they're obviously malnourished. Um, mm-hmm. They're able to like lead the rebellion through a few carts and they get up to the food cart and this machine is pumping out protein blocks and everybody just starts eating them. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, sick, protein blocks. And they're just eating them. And then, uh, oh my God. And then Chris Evans looks in the top of the machine and it's just a big vat full of cockroaches. And it's yep. a really gross yep. scene where you see like the protein blocks coming out one end and people eating them. And then just the cockroaches in the other end. They're being churned, churned and heated. Aside from how gross this is, we should maybe talk about like the sustainable diet that is cockroaches yes. right and the feasibility just, of this let's do it even just insects in general because entomophagy is a thing that happens you know it is in many different places over the world including the u.s it is gross it is sick um i have some fun facts on this if you want them um i want that's i want what we are anything to make me not think about chris evans staring at a bunch of cockroaches in a vat well this is not going to help oh, okay um, okay so regarding <laughs> cockroaches specifically there was there was a there was a study that came out i think a couple years ago where they figured out that cockroaches produce milk it's mainly like for the for giving to their offspring but apparently this milk has three times as many calories as buffalo milk relatively and four times as much protein as cow milk um okay and so it also contains a lot of fat and sugar and all the essential amino acids and uh, and high levels of iron, zinc, and calcium. And so there was this, people thought, oh, like all these new like food freaks, these super foodies people uh, are going to now start suggesting we should drink cockroach milk. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is you have to kill like a hundred roaches or a thousand roaches to get like a hundred milligrams of the shit. It's not sustainable. The milk isn't sustainable for that reason. It's also cockroach milk. And if you can stomach that idea yeah i think every time that you said cockroach milk like i've died a little bit <laughs> it pays, how do you been shaved off my life how do you milk a cockroach that's, so that's the thing know. you that, this is something that they discussed where are the teats you can't milk a cockroach <laughs> the the milk is the milk i think it said it comes out in a, like a like a, like a crystalline type uh structure that was then that is somehow fed to the offspring or it's like like transferred to the eggs in some way because like some by the way some cockroaches lay lay live offspring and some lay eggs okay so cockroaches are mammals confirmed yeah cockroaches mammals confirmed we can debunk that theory it would be difficult it's not as simple as milking a cow or a goat guys we need to get an entomologist on here so that we can find out where the cockroach boobs are I wish we knew it. Yeah, we have to find the cockroach, the cockroach titties. We need to figure out. It would be nice if we knew an entomologist. Yeah, it would be really great if we knew an entomologist. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't. Uh, I don't think we do. No, um, I don't nope. think we do. The other thing that, like, other than really just sort of the gross concept of cockroach milk, um, eating insects is de- very definitely a thing that occurs all over the world. Yes. And, and in fact, I mean. I think Mexico is probably the most popular place where insects are consumed, but the U.S. is actually one of the countries where people eat insects the most uh, most often. Now, again, like we've got the melting pot situation going on, but it's a thing that is, I guess, like hipster culture interest in other cultures has kind of kicked off, um, and it has not taken the country by storm. But people who are for it are very, very for it, uh, and there's a lot of reasons why eating insects is far more sustainable than standard practices of farming. Like in a hundred grams of beef. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, is it because there's like 100 bajillion insects? Cause yeah, just they're really so easy many. to rear. They don't, you know, massively increase the percentage of greenhouse gas emissions, uh, in our atmosphere, which things like rearing cattle and pigs does. It requires way less water. Um, the, the waste that you get out of it is nothing like what, uh, there is for the pork industry. Like, you know, this is me getting up on a soapbox a little bit, but the p- pork industry like literally destroys environments. Um, but not only that, but bugs have uh, uh, for every hundred grams in general, like, and we'll use a grasshopper as an example. Uh, there are 20 grams of protein and six grams of fat. Whereas in every hundred grams of beef, there's 29 grams of protein, but also 21 grams of fat. Uh, and those are rough numbers. But the idea is that like, they're way easier to rear. There's far fewer waste products. It doesn't destroy the environment, and there's way more protein. 
Um, but the big downside is that it's it's icky and they are crunchy and nasty. <laughs> I mean, well. yeah, but you can also like you can I, you can powder them. Like people eat insect flour. Like, oh, that's I a put thing. chili. I put chili powder on my grasshoppers all the time. That's even my powder them. Right? There you go. You, yeah. I, ha- I have eaten a grasshopper. Me too. I think that it's definitely, like Hannon said, it's definitely a sustainable option. Uh, you just have to pick your insects strategically. Sure. And you have to make sure they're prepared properly because, for example, cockroaches, as we find in the film, have been found to house a lot of potential for uh, foodborne illnesses and infections. Um, they have, you know, in case people didn't know, sometimes bugs eat shit. <laughs> and shit contains a lot of undesirable bacteria, uh, things like that. So as long you just want to make sure you're heating it, heating it up properly and cooking it properly. Uh, and like you want to avoid insects that have a high degree of chitin. Chitin? Chitin? Chitin. Chitin. Chitin? Damn. <laughs> chitin. 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 We're just in here chitting around. Just in here chitting around. <laughs> talking on a podcast. Uh, Pace, you're, uh, Pace, are you high as a chitin right now? <laughs> I'm high as a chitin. Oh. Uh... Because the because the, the damn it yeah you're welcome <laughs> I can't finish after that one me neither I really can't oh. um. it doesn't it doesn't have a okay it doesn't have a lot of uh, nutritional value like I think ants like are are mostly composed of it so it's it's mm. like you wouldn't want to eat just like a bunch of ants it's it's um, just probably just like eating a bunch of keratin like eating hair like stuff like that yeah like just like yeah, big yeah. Sp- but okay so as far as Titan. The feasibility of surviving solely on one type of insect. Do you guys have an, any input on that? Like, because that's all they're eating. Like, is yeah. there enough nutrients in that? Like, I'm, I'm assuming so, they're not getting enough fat. They're probably getting a lot of protein, and that's yeah. it. I mean, they're called that's protein what I would blocks. Think is they are absolutely not getting enough fat. Um, yeah. I so when I first saw this movie, this is something that obviously we weren't doing a podcast, but something I struggled with because in the scene it looks like they're only eating cockroaches, and that's like very clearly done for shock value. But mm-hmm. yes, I I would assume that there are going to be other insects yeah. on the train, and given that like in a scenario in which there are a shitload of different types of insects, maybe. But I also don't like know what the nutritional value of various insects are um maybe uh if we i don't know any entomologists but like if an entomologist listens to the program they could write in and tell us what they think but that'd be so helpful they could tweet at us on twitter or send us an email we just don't know any i'm thinking (laughs) jesus can it wait can it isn't your wife an entomologist (laughs) yeah okay maybe (laughs) um I, i was thinking that maybe like so they're getting enough protein, right? They're probably not getting enough fat, but it's also a lot of these are probably long-term issues. Like they've obviously been on the train for years, so I think these would be real issues, but also like they need to get vitamins too, which like if you're eating any vegetables of any sort, like you're probably getting most of your vitamins, but like yeah. they're probably going to get like scurvy and stuff. Like I mean, where are they getting vitamin C from? Like they're just well, eating Well, that's the big thing, right? Like you you made a point on on their fat content because like a lot of those are fat soluble and you need fat intake in order to yeah. actually process those vitamins. Yeah. Like I don't think you can process vitamin A without appropriate fat intake. Yeah. Um, I mean, they obviously look like they're doing pretty shittily, so maybe they are all diseased <laughs> yeah. and dying. Like that's I wouldn't right. be that surprised. I just know it's been like 10 years and I don't know or hasn't it been like 7 15. years or something? 15 years? Right. Like yeah, that's a really really long time to eat cockroaches like yeah i would say that like i i think i agree with you in that it's probably not sustainable for just just eating cockroaches and the most outlandish version of that is the idea that you would be able to raise children right like feed a feed a baby and have them grow into a fully functioning adult on just a diet of cockroach fruit roll-ups oh, yeah i don't think god so. yummy hey guys can you do me a favor yeah. Can we talk about anything else besides eating cockroaches? Yeah, now? <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I mean, that said, hey, uh, we should eat bugs. We should all eat bugs. Yeah, go for it. It'll save the planet. Yeah, Let's sure. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I care a whole lot about saving the planet. I just don't want to eat bugs. Yeah, I know. I'll I maybe try it, but Kenan, you start, uh, and then let me know how it goes. I've had 
uh, crickets and mealworms. Crickets? How oh. Can you, how might one go about purchasing a cricket or mealworm based nutrition Just source go outside. for consumption? Yeah. Uh, actually, so if you go to um, www.amazon.com, they sell that shit. I will, I will be honest, whenever I was looking at a lot of this, most of the nutritional content and information that I was able to find about bugs was in the context of feeding your pet reptiles. So, <laughs> huh, that makes um, sense. Yeah. You're Pace. a lizard person, so you might be able to survive on this. Pace. I could. Yes. I have a question for you. Since we're talking okay. about sustainability, you wanted okay. to mention the sustainability of the entire train environment. Do you have... They, they talk about, and they say this phrasing a lot, in the movie, they talk about how the train is a closed system. It's a closed system, mm -hmm. right? And so they hype up sustainability a lot. And that's true because I think what they mean by that is like nothing gets in and nothing gets out, right? Mm -hmm. um, they, they essentially have to create sources of fuel and sustenance from just stuff that already exists inside. Yeah, the only thing that they're the bringing train. into the train is water. ambient light water, at, at the front right? and water. Yeah, so they talk about how like the front of the train is uh, designed to take in snow and ice from the track, and then that's yes. processed. I think there have been, there's a lot of green tech out there that, that focuses on this type of sustainability. One of the type of things that we actually see in the movie is vertical farming, mm -hmm. um, which basically, and there are a lot of like warehouses that house vertical farms in existence. I think one of the biggest ones is in like Newark, New Jersey or something, and they have like a 30 foot tall building, and there's rows and rows and rows of um of basically gardens that are stacked upon one another and it uses less water it uses less land uh, and they don't need actual sunlight to grow the plants and then they sell the food to a supermarket so like that type of tech does exist what i don't know and can't comment on is the ability to isolate it to a moving train you know what i mean mm. because it still takes a lot it takes energy to to provide enough water and and other types of energy to those types of gardens. So I'm not sure about on a, a moving train. I mean, they have a mythically powerful engine that like somehow is mythically. Yeah. Powerful. Well, like like when I say mythically, I mean like not real. Like there's, it's getting it's clearly producing a tremendous amount of energy to keep this train moving constantly all the time, and also make like heat to keep all the external environmental conditions out, and also grow a bunch of food and make light and all this stuff. So. Right. It's, I think, like, yes, they're trying to be sustainable, but it's sort of like they can be sustainable but have, like, a limitless supply of energy. So they're really more confined by, like, space and, like, living things, you know? Yeah, and the, like, major theme for this near the end of the movie is this idea that basically, um, uh, what's his name? Ed Helms? Ed Harris? Uh, yeah. Ed Harris, sorry, Jesus. Uh, Ed Harris and John Hurt's character, who are the, like, respective leaders of either end of the train, uh, what, like, were the architects of this uh, Captain America-led dungeon crawl. Like, the idea is that you incite a rebellion every couple of years, a bunch of people die, and then you've kept the population below a sustainable level. Um, so that you're not trying to feed as many mouths, and there are not as many waste products and all this other stuff. Also, we said there's no waste, but I bet they, I bet the train poops. Well, the train probably poops. Do they also think about this whole sustainability where they're like, oh, we have to have a balanced number of people. They clearly mm -hmm. don't give a fuck about the people in the tail end. Well, uh, I don't understand. Like, they have no problem killing them. Like, why are they right. working on feeding them protein blocks of cockroach? Why, if it's really a balance, like, just why do they care? Like, why don't they just get rid of the tail section? Because if they got rid of the tail section, then they wouldn't have kids it's to turn into nuclear paste for the train to eat. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah, they they take from the tail section for these ultimately degrading and mundane tasks that have to be done to keep the train going. Yep. Wow. What a, what a yeah. metaphor. Did Anne Rand write this fucking movie oh, or what? Fuck like, me. no. If just... Anne Rand wrote the movie, it would be from the perspective of the people in the front of I'm, the train. I'm joking. I, I yeah, know she didn't because write it. she's a she's a libertarian, right? Yes. So that would have been a little different. But uh, I didn't know if she would write it about like a. Uh, I uh, maybe I. This is more of a sort of, I don't know, uh, Marxist sort of philosophically aligning situation yes. that we have going here. I'd agree with that. Uh, but, um, but, um, yeah. If you're interested in more sustainable stuff in this way, one of the things that is kind of neat that's 
risen in modern housing in the past couple of years, in the past decade or so, is there's there's a thing called an earth ship uh, that utilizes this principle of like when you build a house, you build it out of sustainable resources and you build it underground so that you don't have to deal with heating and cooling the place and you face it towards the sun so that it uh, heats on its own um, uh, like sort of year round. But also this idea, which they probably do on the train, where they take uh, purified water, utilize that for all of their potable needs, and then all of that turns into gray water that then gets processed further and is used for, like, waste products and things like that. And then that feeds back in and is then treated and then recycled, and that's that's how they, they would have to conduct that. So you should read about Earthships because it's kind of interesting. A lot of people have, like, basically made sustainable ecosystems inside single houses so right which is awesome yeah which is pretty cool there's one more thing i want to talk about in the movie and that is the substance they refer to as chronal Mm. so there's like a, Mm. a population of people on this train that are addicted to a hallucinogenic substance called chronal and they refer to it as being industrial waste um, yes. So presumably it's from the train because I don't understand why they would just bring waste with them on the train when it was created. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good point. Uh, a good point. But what they say is that it's flammable, and the way they depict people doing it in the movie is that they like huff it, like they just smell the chronal and it makes them high. So just sniff it up. One of the big issues I had with this is so obviously ingesting like. Uh, I don't guess like aerosolized part like particles or like chemicals is totally fine. Like people do that. Like that's a way you can get high off something. But sure. the fact that they like get a brick of chronal, huff it once, and then they're like, "Well, I'm done with that chronal." Like it's going to still <laughs> be releasing whatever gas is being released normally like they literally right. treat it like it's a single use drug like they hold a little brick That's they true. sniff it and yeah. then they're like i need more chronal oh it's done and you're just like it's <laughs> just been out like but if it's it's so weird because they treat it like if you have it but you haven't smelled it yet like it's ready to go but then once you smell it once like you can't use it anymore yeah, wouldn't it just be constantly yes. letting uh letting off this, this sort of or... it's no, not how it's, it's not one and done yeah, it's like not how it's not how gases work in real life. Like if something is a is is a gas, then it's going to be a gas. Like it's not. If that stuff was anywhere in the train, wouldn't everyone be high all the time? Essentially, there'd be a low. It'd be. It would. No, I mean you need like there's no. Yeah, they have air filters and stuff. Like they're literally eating like not eating but sniffing it piece by piece, and right. then they're like, "This is cached. This yeah, it's cached. so weird. Like one. that's what so. I mean, it serves a plot point in the movie where we find out that because the chrono is so flammable, apparently it can be used as a bomb, which leads me to believe it's just C4 that people are smelling. Like, I don't understand. It looks like blasting jelly or something or like just like a paste. But it was just so weird to me. It's like getting I don't even understand. Like they're basically doing a drug without putting it in a device to release the gas. They just smell it and then the gas is released and then it's done. It doesn't make any sense at all. Like, phys- like right. you don't have to be a scientist to understand that that makes no sense. Like, so I just wanted to bring that up because it was like my science pet peeve in the movie. I was like, what the fuck are they no, doing right point. now? I, I do want to say, isn't it? It's strange to me. So we, we came to the conclusion that the, the other colonel was um, was waste from the train. Yeah. Is that what we thought yes. was likely? Yes. So then doesn't the fact that the train is spitting out this waste, doesn't that like they're not inputting fuel into the train, right? So is, is this a break, like the first law of thermodynamics, you creating something from nothing? I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little confused here. Um, so in the movie, this is supposed to be like, it's supposed to be a perpetual motion engine. Um, yeah. which you're right. doesn't exist. Like, the idea of perpetual motion is that the output is equal to the input. Um, right. So that right. like it will keep going forever. I know you raise a really good point though, because there's no way that this could be operating off the concept of perpetual motion because it is generating like actively generating waste material, which means they yes. have to be putting something into it. Correct. Um, yeah. Now, like normally the idea with the idea of perpetual motion is that, you're losing most of whatever energy you're putting into something in, in, in the form of heat. Yes, um, true. 
Yeah. But sure. uh, you actually bring up a, an interesting fan theory that I found uh, while looking for actual science to talk about in Snowpiercer, <laughs> which our listeners will notice there is not much of. Uh, but it talks about the, the chemical that they discuss that is supposed to be responsible for the ice age that they're currently experiencing. So they talk about this like CW7 compound that was released into the atmosphere and it was supposed to cool down the planet and it did a very good job. Um, but a very good job. Very, too good a job. The best job. But there's this idea that the perpetual engine within the Snowpiercer uh, has effectively, as you said, broken the second law of thermodynamics uh, and is siphoning all of the thermal energy from around it in order to continue to operate. Uh, and then, in fact, the train itself is responsible for the Ice Age, which I thought was kind of interesting. Even if the train isn't responsible for the Ice Age, which, I mean, that's a very interesting and fun fan theory. I like that a lot. Um, it would still be taking heat from the atmosphere around it no matter what, right? Why? Um, un- unless... Well, so... No, it, it should be pumping, passively pumping heat into the atmosphere. Yeah, because um, it's, it's warmer than... Right, and, and not only that, but it's also using energy in order to operate. Right. So the train itself is actually... Just the, op, just the functionality of the train itself is an exothermic reaction, not an endothermic reaction. It'd be, it'd be releasing heat. Right, it's releasing heat instead of absorbing it. Yeah, it's not even that it's a reaction. It's that, like, you can't have a perfectly... Like they they have warm air inside the train and cold air outside the train, like yeah. so it's just gonna go out <laughs> to the cold. Yeah, like they have to be venting air somewhere, you know. Yeah, I guess it is. I guess it could be just that. Somewhere. Or else they would just everything would fill with CO two. They need like oxygen scrubbers, right. like CO two scrubbers or something. They need some way to make right. oxygen. I mean, these motherfuckers are keeping a bunch of people alive on cockroaches. They maybe they have one. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, that's most of the science I want to talk about in the movie. I just really thought... Also, like, the chronal, the fact that it would be, like, explosive is kind of wild as, like, a waste byproduct that it's just, like, a bomb that that, that the train is making. That's something that we talked about a little bit. Like, I would expect it to be flammable, sure. Um, But plastic explosives, at least to my knowledge, like, C4 is the best example, explode because they're metastable, and you don't mm-hmm. light them on fire to blow things up. Like you expose them to a, a shockwave, um, like a, a small concentrated shockwave from a detonator is why C4 explodes. Um, but in this, uh, Dude Man takes a bunch of the chronol in a big block, puts a fuse in it and lights it on fire and it explodes, which is, I don't know. That's not, to my knowledge, that's not really how explosions work. Like you, it would need to be contained within something as a flammable substance substance in order to create a giant impact. Yeah, I honestly don't know. I mean, it would something would happen if you heat it so much, but it's not like he threw it into a fire. He just stuck a little fuse in it. Like, it's not sure. like a intense flame. The thing that doesn't make sense to me is that a waste product, like we experience in this movie, like, 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 like the Chronal, would be, it wouldn't be that inherently, in, uh, inherently unstable because it's a waste product right like your waste product wouldn't be something that um is prone to a chemical reaction because then those reactions would have been triggered throughout the process of its initial use the fuel itself right i think it could still be something flammable because you're not necessarily like depending on yes i agree but explosive is something totally different right exactly like i think the implication is that because it's flammable, it's expo- explosive, but I don't think those two always overlap. They definitely right. with something like this. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Do you guys just want to move on to the ratings and stuff? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't understand what you said there. Do you want to move on to the ratings? What? Sorry, I still did. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I do. Are we in the ratings Gosh, the now? Up, you just like up to that. You just threw me into the ratings. Mm-hmm. I wasn't yeah, ready. Yeah, I took you... On uh, we blasted through the side of a train to get into the ratings. Oh wow! Just like in the movie. Just like in the movie, <laughs> and now we're friends with the polar bear. Okay, that's right. Well, since I did the plot, someone else go first with the ratings. Pace, you go. Okay. I like hearing you talk. I love it. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm. I have a pretty okay Yummy. voice. Um, Yummy. For for the science in the film, mm-hmm. I think I'm just gonna give it a 
a two. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, because also there, there's no justification for how the engine works. Yep. Right. That was that was hand weight. That was hand woven. Um, <laughs> I did the things. I guess I will give credit to. I really liked some of the references to future green technology mm-hmm. um, with the vertical farming, etc. I liked that uh, because that is real technology that is being currently developed to deal with an overpopulated planet. Overall, I think that they could have picked... I mean, the the cockroach food factor was, of course, for shock effect, but they, they could it would have been better if they would have, I don't know, picked like crickets or grasshoppers and then supplemented other aspects to it or something to make it a more viable diet. Um, Not to pirate your ratings real quick, but yes. considering the monologue we got out of... Uh, the monologue we got out of Chris Evans near the latter half of the film where he talks about eating actual people, I found it very buck wild that he was so turned off by the concept of eating, he's, the fact that he'd been eating bugs for a while. Yeah, like, I, that, that's that's a good point. Even in the moment in the movie when he looks into the vat and, you know, acts shocked, I was surprised in, in, in that moment that he was, un, that he was like a bit unsettled by that, you know? Like right. they've seen so much worse shit the man that is eating, eating bugs babies. like yeah that's that's that was a little yes he uh, did it wasn't exactly believable he did say that he had eaten babies that is true babies taste best that's what babies he says that's what he says mm. <laughs> how very jonathan swift of you for the overall entertainment i'm gonna give it a five i loved it um i also just love movies that draw parallels between I, I like metaphorical movies for society and this was obviously one of those because mm-hmm. i just like thinking about that sort of thing um and it was it was just really really well done. If the if the movie flowed very well from scene to scene, from car to car, so I liked it. Okay, I I'll guess go next. I, I guess Kenan will go next. <laughs> <laughs> you can go last since you uh, did the plot. It's okay, my treat since you didn't cheat and still did the plot. yeah, and you did, um, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's fine. You're dead. To uh, me. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Gonna, I think I'm gonna give the science a two as well. Um, they. This is another thing where I think in regards to the engine, like every, and it's going to happen, every single science movie we watch is going to have one or two things that the movie hinges upon that cannot be explained, so they don't. And I think that's fine. And Sean made a really good point in one of our last uh, previous episodes where he went on this like long philosophical argument that we shouldn't be arguing for how much science is in the movie, but how good the science is in the movie. Uh, and I cut the whole thing out because it was too long, but it was still very good. Um, and the, the science that was in this movie was just sort of not explained, but yeah. there were things that conceptually made sense to be in the movie, um, such as ver- vertical farming and using insects. Um, yes. I, even if, like you said, the insects were particularly for shock, shock value. Um, and then as far as entertainment goes, I'm going to give it a four out of five. I didn't think it was as good as the host, which you guys should, should watch. And maybe I shouldn't be holding it up to like this under the, like holding it up under the same knife. Um, but the movie gets a little buck wild and just does things for the fuck of it at some points. And that bothers me a little bit in movies, but I understand why I did it. Like it's supposed to, I think, emphasize the weird reality that Chris Evans and the people in the back of the car are missing out of miss, missing out on that's part of being the people in the front of the car and not caring caring about the people who live in the back. So, yeah. Hmm. Yep. Yep. So so you cheated on the dice roll and you cut my excellent like talk about the science oh, of movies. No! I can't was, believe you, Kenneth. Sean, it was extremely good, but it was 15 minutes long. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I don't blame you then. (laughs) I can't listen to myself for 15 minutes, so... (laughs) Alright, so for the science rating, I'm uh, going to agree with you guys and give it a 2 out of 5, because I think that, you know, overall, same things that you guys said. Like, there are some concepts, like, I really liked them discussing the closed ecosystem aspect and how, like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they were eating eating, uh, sushi. They were like, oh, we only have sushi twice a year. It's kind of like nice that they acknowledge like oh yeah we don't just have a freaking limitless food supply on this train like we do things in order to raise the fish to eat you know yeah yeah just just real quick it's on that point you made it was also very cool they acknowledge that just kind of minor blips 
in an ecosystem can send the entire thing out of whack. Like she was talking about the aquarium, like just a small change in the amount of a certain predator or something like that can just completely fuck up the entire thing. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. So yeah, I, I thought that. that was actually a pretty out of all the other scientific inaccuracies, especially the chronal, like really bugged me because it was a huge plot point for the movie. And like just the way they were treating it made no sense. Like it didn't make any sense to me. They were like huffing it, but it, yeah, we already talked about it, but you, you get the point. Yes. Um, so I'm giving yes. it a two out of five. And then for the entertainment rating, I'm actually giving it a three out of five. I thought Damn. it was good. Like I definitely, I enjoyed the movie, but it's definitely not going in my list of like top movies. Like I don't need to see it again. I don't really, Gasp. I was just sort of, I would watch it again. I thought it was thrilling. Like I was hooked the whole time. I wanted to know what was going on and I was super disappointed at the ending. I thought it was just like a really half-assed way of ending the movie. Honestly, I just was hoping for more. Like, it was just a big monologue at the end of the train. I was like, what the fuck? Like, are we going to... This movie's action nonstop. And then we get to the end and we just get a bunch of, like, uh, nondescript monologues that don't really say what's happening. You know? It's all very hand-wavy. Well, I mean, this is probably a discussion for not this podcast, but, like, I think that's the point. No, I know. I just didn't like it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. No, I mean, I get it. Like I got that. That's, they wanted to do that. It wasn't like, it wasn't like they got to the end. They were like, Oh, we don't know what to do. I just didn't like the way they ended the movie. I just wish it had more substance, but that's me. That's not the only reason. Yeah. You know, the cockroaches grossed me out. (laughs) You made a good point too. The uh, movie would not have ended with a, the triumphant exit of two children from the oppressive train conditions out onto the ice to find that the animal that is the uh, flagship animal for climate change, the polar bear is hanging out and then they see it and become expired uh, inspired uh, because in the next 10 minutes, the two children would be consumed by a polar bear. Yeah, for yes. sure. It definitely right. would have eaten them. But yeah, so I mean, I think it's still a good movie, still definitely worth the watch. I just, I'm not going to put it on my top list of movies for sure. So fair. All right, sweet. Thank you boys. Uh, do we have any listener questions this week? I think the answer is no. We do. Because we do. We have one. Pace has yes, them have queued one. up. Um, yes. So we did get one question Sweet. on Twitter uh, awesome. from Gabriella, friend of the show. Thank you, Gabriella. Thank you. Thanks. And that is, if people went without vitamin D or full nutrition for so long, mm. how are they healthy and living on this train? Yep. Good. That's a very good question. Yeah, good question. We cut. We kind of talked about this a little, right? Like because we, we were also thinking the same thing. Like you know, you could eat bugs for nutrition for some point of time, but not fifteen right. years. Only bugs. Yeah. One thing that I'm thinking about now, and we discussed this a little bit, like I think off air, but the fact that the Will Wilhelm Willard Wilford, Wilfred, uh, <laughs> is eating. Uh, steak at the end of the movie uh we didn't see any fucking cows like we saw fish we didn't see chickens and their chicken eggs and we didn't see cows i like i want to hand wave for the movie a little bit and say that I, although it's not filled in in the movie i bet under the scenario they're probably just piping raw nutrients into the bug paste and keeping be. them alive that way i, I was thinking that they'd probably just put like grind up some flintstone vitamins in there for them <laughs> like yeah yeah exactly alive. yeah or maybe maybe they actually bring them the flintstone push pops that were 100 mm. percent just like disguised vitamins for elementary school kids every day they get a big push pop <laughs> yeah yes dude i used to love those things the push i did too i had one i think within like maybe the past year no i had one two years ago uh, and it tastes like utter fucking garbage. <laughs> I didn't even know they still made those. <laughs> I I don't know why I ever enjoyed those. <laughs> yeah. They don't. They, no, I never did. They were always terrible. They oh, so chalky, I destroyed them as a youngin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Geez. I mean, that's probably a good point. Like they do have the one guy who's like working the machine mm-hmm. that pumps out the protein bars. Like maybe his job is to also like sprinkle some paprika in there or Ooh, something. Like I don't know. Yeah, maybe he's like squeezing a lemon in there so they don't get scurvy. I don't know, but I would buy that. Yes. Yeah, but that, but that is a good question. Yeah, but so I think from what we see in the movie, it's not feasible. So we sort of have to assume that they must be doing something else because the people would all be dead in the back of the train, at least. Yeah, that was uh, who was the chef? That was uh, Paul Lazar. That's right. 
He was in yeah. Silence of the Lambs. Lambs. I don't remember what he did, though. Paul! Oh, I did recognize him. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right, sweet. Uh, we need to get better about asking for questions. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we really do. Uh, don't worry. Once I graduate with my PhD, two yeah, weeks you, you, from you, you, now, you. less than two weeks from now, we're going to be very much more into Everybody say congrats to Pace now because so. he is definitely going to smoke it. And then he's going to... He's going to smoke a bunch of drugs. That's right, potential employers. Pace is going to do a lot of drugs before he starts. Whoa, whoa, that's keep, what we need right now. Yep, very helpful. Very helpful, Kenan. I don't, I'm out of stuff very to say. Helpful. Does anybody else want to take this over now? I think we covered it. It's very good that we did yeah, the show that we just covered and did talk we about did. science, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you just said a lot of words there, Pace. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. It sounded great, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, a lot of words. I got to enjoy this word salad with my side of bugs. All right. Word salad, bug side. I like that our last Press episode hoppers. was short, so let's sign off and tell people what we're watching next, and we'll do all of our normal stuff. Let's do our housekeeping. If it's okay Deal with you ski. guys, I think we should announce the next two movies we're doing, because the next one is going to be a super special for all the family to listen to. Super special. <laughs> that was a really weird <laughs> thing you just said. Gather around the fire. It's time to be afraid and of the dark. Spooper, spooper, spooky. It's gonna be very spooky. Yes. Movie. We're gonna be watching as a Halloween special, Young Frank and stuff. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We were sitting here back and forth, looking, thinking of like horror movies, and Pace suggested, "Oh, let's do Frankenstein," and yep. then we realized. Why do Frankenstein when we could do Young Frankenstein? Right, exactly. I mean, absolutely. Like, if we're already going to go off the rails this far, we might as well lean real hard into it. Uh, it should <laughs> and it be has all the themes. That Sean made a very good case for Splice, uh, which I think we should watch at some point. And I made, yes. I think, an extremely convincing case for Jason X, but uh, the other boys did not did not want to do it. So I don't think yeah. it was that convincing. I, think, I thought it was very good, and I covered a lot of key points in the Jason X plotline. Yes. All right. So was, next time, yeah. so next episode is going to be Young Frankenstein. Correct. Which we will be reco- we will be recording on October 29th. Yep. So if you send us in your questions, basically by hol- but two days before Halloween, you know we will we will address them on the show. Hell yeah! Any Frankenstein related questions? Anything. Talk to us about Gene Wilder's hair. Talk to us about uh, reanimating dead bodies. Talk to us about uh, bad accents and fucking in a barn. Yes, please. <laughs> I believe they call it rolling. Those in the go hay. together, by the rolling way. Rolling in the hay, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you tell us what we're going to watch after, since you had a great idea of what movie we should do? Yeah. So, actually, I don't want to take all the credit. Um, uh, enemy of the podcast, Douglas Miller, uh, is, as many of you know from listening to our last episode, is now a, a patron uh, of the podcast. He is a investor in our future. And. If you guys want to help us out and donate to our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com and look up Real Science Cast. Uh, we have just added a couple of stretch goals, and we have added at least one tier, reward tier. And uh, Enemy of the Podcast, Douglas, has taken advantage of this, and he has submitted a list of three movies that he would like us to watch. Um, I'm not going to talk about any of them except for the one that we're going to watch, because uh, I know that's the way Douglas would want it to happen. But yes, uh, we're going to watch Armageddon. Yes, so Doug, thanks for being a patron. Thank you for giving us a movie that wasn't Wild Wild West that we could actually do on the <laughs> mm-hmm. podcast. Um, so yeah, so that'll be in a, a month from now. But just, you know, some people, I think it's a good idea if you have time to watch the movie before the episode. I think you'll enjoy the discussion more. So yep. now you have a month in advance to watch Armageddon. Yeah, uh, and uh, it, so if you donate more than $2 a month to the Patreon, just send us an email with three movie suggestions. And we will pick one of them and do them. And I also want to thank a friend of the podcast, Bart Hoffman, for doing the same thing. And we will pick from your yes. just like litany of movie ideas pretty soon. Uh, and try. Yes, to he gave us a wealth. And Brett Palashok still needs to send us a suggestion. Let's yes, go he is a patron also. Um, okay, so you guys ready to sign off? I do want to thank everybody also for listening. And please request that, you know, if you like the show... Just tell a friend about the show because that's really the best way we have to, you know, spread Grow. the word around. We currently don't pay for any advertising for the show, so it really helps, like, word of mouth. Yeah. Um, yes. We're working on branding a little bit. We're going to try and be better about us actually talking about the show, but it helps a whole lot if you just tell people to listen. Um, and the more – we're, we're always going to do this 
um, for free. Like you'll never have to actually pay for the podcast, but if you can help us out, uh, just any amount of month, um, we are trying to make moves on additional content and more importantly, make moves on buying equipment. Uh, so Pace can stop recording in a closet and I can stop recording in front yes, of a, a big blanket hanging over my yep. monitor. Um, <laughs> I think Sean has the most professional recording set up right now. Oh, I do. I oh, mean, I wish this was a visual media sometimes because I literally have like a <laughs> Jenga tower of foam blocks with a microphone inside of it. And that's that's essentially what I'm recording into. So we're going to try so. and grow away from that paradigm of recording so we can improve our overall quality uh, and hopefully eventually find an editor so that I don't feel like dying once a week. So, yeah. Yeah, but that's... <laughs> It's okay. You got it, Kenneth. It builds character. Yeah, it's like digging holes. It's fine. <laughs> oh my god! At least like a big hole. Like all the bad jokes. Uh boy. <laughs> I will say, guys, I'm really glad that we didn't lose our train of thought on this. Episode. All right. I think anyway, guys. Oh, thank you very okay. much for listening. All right. Um, <laughs> I think you've all had a really good time. My name is uh, Kenneth Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. And remember, you don't need good no. science. To, to make drunk. a good movie. No. To eat cockroaches Remember, with chili powder. Babies taste best. Babies taste best. Oh, boy. Science. Is that? <laughs> okay. Uh, Hulk is short for Hulkington. Yeah? It's a fancy boy. Hulkington? <laughs> Wow. Lord Hulkington, oh Lord Hulkington Fenworth. Thou will not be pleased with me when I am cross. <laughs> God, you wouldn't want to ruffle my feathers. <laughs>